0: We always have that tension inside of us. What, what are we going to choose to do? You know, what way are we going to follow? Are we going to follow uh, truth or are we going to justify our behavioral patterns? And in this series, that's what we're looking at, choosing truth. Because we're going to come to a, a, a point in our life, not just with every decision that we make, but in actual living. And I think we all want to follow the truth. I think we all agree that we want to do something uh, or live our life according to what is true, what is noble, what is excellent and honorable. I don't think there's anyone here that says, well, I, I, don't, I want to live a lie. I don't think anybody wants to do that. So as we, as we go on with this series, uh, we're going to learn about choosing truth. And you can take out your bulletin and there's some notes in there that will help you to follow along. Because for some of us, we need to take notes uh, and then we review it every now and then. One thing about choosing truth is, whose truth are we choosing? Because truth for every single person can be different. And then the question becomes this, should truth guide my life? Everything that moves is guided by something. The earth, the planets, it's guided by something. Maybe there's a gravitational pull, whatever it would be. It's guided by something. You and I as living beings are guided by something. Some of us are guided by power. We want that power. We want the position. Uh, Maybe it's finances or money. We want money and we want more. So we're guided by things. Uh, Some of us, we just want to be love. So we're guided by love. Uh, Some of us, we want uh, great looks. So we're guided by things, whatever it would be. Something guides us. So we got to ask the question and answer it. What should guide my life? Should truth guide my life? Now, I've, I think we've all seen magicians and uh, illusionists pull off great tricks. And, and illusionists or magicians, they're probably the most honest of, the, uh, of entertainment. The most honest entertainers out there. Because they will specifically tell you, I am going to deceive you. And they actually do they will specifically tell you this is what i'm going to do and then they pull it off and so even even though they'll say i'm going to trick you and i'm going to deceive you we're we're entertained by deception and they convince us that what they did was awesome that it was an, an, an amazing trick and we're we're sitting there in awe of what was presented to us. And so what actually happens is there's a thing called self-deception because we convince ourselves that the lie is the truth because it's so hard to tell the two apart. Whenever you have two different truths and you have two different ideas presented, then it's hard to determine what is true. I have, I have a quarter Okay, let's just take, for instance, this quarter. And, and I say to you, watch very closely. And if the cameras can catch this, watch very closely, okay? Now, this quarter, you tell me what hand it's in, okay? You ready? Watch very closely. Okay, what hand is it in? How many of you say this one? Raise your hand. What? <laughs> How many of you say this one? okay let's try it again okay watch very closely okay very closely i'll go slow okay what hand is it in this one or this one how many of you say this one how many of you say how many of you say this one a couple of you you think this one how many of you this one come on raise your hand i just want to see okay it's this one Here's the truth. The truth is, I actually have two quarters. <laughs> so, some of you are like, wait, how did that happen? Simple, I had two quarters. Truth, you will only get truth by what you can see and believe that is presented to you, unless you actually know the base of the truth. Gamblers deal with this all the time, it's called self deception. That's why they keep gambling, because there's a lie that they think they can win. And then they forget that they lose. So self-deception plays a part in our lives personally when it comes to the truth. In other words, many of us, what we do is we treat truth like a buffet line. And we say, I want that truth, I want that truth, I want that truth. I don't want that, I don't want that, but I want this truth. This is, this is truth to me. And so we live life in this kind of way and we say, this is truth. And then people will come to us and say, no, but this is truth. And you say, no, 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 that's not truth. Why? Because I'm living a lie. And I might not even know it because there's this thing called self-deception. And self-deception helps us to live a life... Of so called freedom. That we're not locked down to anything because if we are locked down to truth, I will not be able to live my life how I want to. That's what we tend to believe. And so there's a self deception that comes on. But in, when you know the truth, when you know the, tr- know the truth, and when you can live your life according to truth, then you're actually free to make decisions. I have two quarters. One in this end, one in this end. Watch very carefully, okay? I'll just put it in this end. Okay, watch this quarter. Where is it? This end or this end? Hand? Both ends. Why? Because I have two quarters. It's so easy to make a decision when you know the truth. So much easier to make a decision when you know the truth. The Bible tells us that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's what truth does. Many of us, we want to live a life that we want to live. And I can understand that because we don't want to live a sad life. We want to live a happy life. So everyone wants to live a life going by day after day, happy and when we encounter something that's not happy, we've got to figure out something else to make us happy. Therefore, we slip right back into self-deception. You know, there's a, there's a, a thing that we go through that if you consider the human race, that the t- from the time we've been around for thousands of years, that we've followed truth. Not everybody Majority of the way the world lived with, with its morality and, and the way people functioned was mostly grounded on truth. And no one really challenged truth like how we challenge today. And not only, probably within the la- in, the, in the last 300 years, have we really challenged truth. Have we really said, I don't want to follow that. I'm going to make up my own mind. I'm going to do my own thing. That's when, when scientists would say, wait a minute. Here's what cannot be proven. Here's what can be proven. And so when scientists would prove God, now scientists are trying to disprove God. So there comes that challenge. It's almost like a rebellious spirit that comes on us. And we say, no, this is truth because it can be proved. And so what actually took place is people would give spiritual direction, spiritual explanations on what went on in their physical, personal lives, Because everything was based on spirituality. They would say that this is truth. It's in the spiritual realm. It's not in what we see because truth in what we see can be deceptive due to our own personal perception because of what's presented to us. So something needed to be solid and true. Something needed to be unchangeable. Truth needed to be separate from our personal emotions. It needed to be spiritual. Something that's unchangeable. Because we change. As human beings, we change. We have our own set ways. That's what Paul the Apostle said when he visited Athens in Greece. He went to the Athenians and he said to the to, to the people, he said, you know, I, I noticed that you have these statues and all of these things and... and uh, there's a, there's a plaque that says, to the unknown God. I want to tell you about this unknown God. That's what he says. He says, let me tell you about this unknown God. And in fact, he brought truth to them. Even those who did not know God in foreign countries, in foreign nations, back in the Bible times, that didn't follow God, they still was heading towards God. But they didn't know him. Just like how Paul was addressing that they were saying there's something out there because we're, we're built with an internal mechanism for eternity. God put that there. It causes us to search for spiritual things. It causes us to search after him. And so throughout time, we're heading in this direction, and maybe around the 1700s, that's when we first started to say, wait a minute, let, let's, let's find our own truth. And so we spiral downwards to find our own truth rather than the truth of God and the spiritual matters. So now this is the direction we're going, but some are going this direction. This is the direction we want to be. But sometimes we skew off in this direction because of self deception. But there is a way for us to coexist in this world with. Truth, spirituality, the way we're gifted, the way we live our lives, and, and even with self-deception. Because we live in a world that God has given to us, His Spirit, and because of that, we're able to choose truth. We're able to, even in this world with differences, able to choose truth. But then you've got to answer yourself the question, should truth guide your life? And we may answer, yes, and we may say, yep, I want truth to guide my life. But if, if I don't know what is true, how will I know what guides my life? And last week we talked about what is truth. That truth is a person. That's what truth is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we can understand that truth is a person, now now, we won't get deceived because we know the truth. No matter what is presented in front of us, we can say, no, there's two quarters. I know the truth. That's what Jesus presents to us. See, revelation, for those who lived before the 1700s and, and even still today, revelation was their source of ultimate truth because God revealed his word to us. People were looking for the source of truth, and so they looked for words and revelation of who God was, which drew them closer to Him. Which makes it pretty interesting that the last book in the canonized Bible is the book of Revelation. Why? Because God reveals Himself to us. That's what He did through Jesus Christ. He revealed Himself through Jesus Christ. Now that we know Jesus Christ, we understand God, we understand His love, we understand His forgiveness. And we understand the truth. But if I'm going to let that guide my life, that's something I need to choose. Now, the mentality with many of us today is that there are many gods that guide us. There are, there are things that will guide us. Many gods, many different beliefs that will guide us. But again, I have to come back to, am I guided by truth? There are many good reasons why truth should guide us. But along with truth guiding us, There's also going to be challenges. There's also consequences for not being guided by the truth. We all encounter not being guided by truth. In fact, one of the things people say is, you know, it's okay to love the world. Make sure you love the people. Don't love the darkness of the world. And especially don't hate the people. Love the people. Because we live in a world that's so tangible, we can see, we can feel, we can touch. And when certain things are, are a temptation to us, we draw closer to that more than we do God sometimes. But when we know the truth of what this temptation can do, then we're able to steer back to God and say, God, you're going to direct me. You're going to help me on this path of life. Yes, it is trouble. It is, it is a struggle, and there, is, there are troubles that we go through. But if we don't know what is truth, and if we're not guided by truth... Then self-deception will guide us. Then anything becomes truth, even a lie. That's that gambler's mentality. Yeah, I, I, if, it, if it's if it's too good to be true, most of the times it is. But when we live a lie and think it's a tr- it's the truth, that's why we always fall back into. I'm going to trust again. I'm going to trust that person again. I'm going to trust that person again. Even though they continue to lie to you. Because our mentality says, no, I can, I, I, can, I can continue to live like this because you think it's truth. And we're deceived over and over again. Have you ever walked into a room and let's just say you were looking for something. And uh, as you're looking for something and you know what you're going to do, you walk into that room and then all of a sudden you stop and you're like, what am I doing here? What was I looking for? What was I doing here? What was I looking for? And then you have to backtrack. And you've got to go back to what you're doing and you have to rethink, okay, what was I going to do? It's like you have that short-term memory. And then it goes away. And it's not old age. I'm just telling you that. It's not old age, old age. It may get worse, but it's not just that because even children do that. But we forget quickly. I was running the other day, and as I'm, as I'm running, uh, I'm thinking about things, thinking, thinking, thinking. And I, li- I, I, I like to think uh, w- while I'm running uh, on certain things. And it just, my mind is a lot clearer. And as I'm running, after all, I, it's like I, I wake up and I'm thinking, where am I? I ran farther than what I was supposed to run. Now i got to run back because it's farther. I just got lost in my thoughts. And sometimes that happens That we go astray from the truth because we're distracted by other things. As as the saying goes, that sin will take us farther than we really want to go. It will keep us there longer than we want to stay. And it will cost us more than we want to pay. That's what sin does unless I know the truth. If I know the truth, then it will help me stay on track. Or even if I go off track a little bit, when I see truth and I know the truth, I can jump right back on track. Why? Because it's not self-deception anymore. It's truth. Does the truth hurt? Sometimes it does. But it's a good healing hurt, like surgery hurt. It's not an abusive hurt. Truth is a healing kind of hurt. It's a surgery. The truth sets me free. That's what it does. So we want to look at truth because there will even be people who will distract you from the truth giving great argument that you shouldn't follow this. No, no, don't listen to the Bible. It's outdated. No, Bible is just a crutch. No, church is just a crutch. No, don't, don't follow those things. Tell that to the person who was saved by God. Tell that to the person who, who Christ came into their hearts and saved them from a wretched life. Tell that to that person. See, they can't take that away from you. No one can take away your testimony for what God did for you in your life. No one can take that away. If you're searching for God and you're looking for Him and you're, you're searching for that what is missing inside, go back to God, not what other people are saying. Go back to God and His word, because people will have their own opinions. Even people who will say the good things about the Word of God, go back to the Word of God. you got to go back to the Scriptures because that's where the truth lies. That's where it is, and it's accurate. In your notes, 1 Corinthians 2.13, the Apostle Paul says, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For, those, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So you're going to have people who could care less about God. They're not going to understand the truth, even if you told them, And then you have those who are spiritual, and they want spiritual truths, and then they begin to understand the truth. So what do you do with those people that they don't want to hear the truth? You pray for them. You pray for them. Right now, pray for our governor and our legislatures. Pray for them, because it's never a fight against people. We got to catch this, okay? The things that happen in our state, it's never against people. we were not against flesh and blood, as the Bible says it. So you pray for people. You don't attack people. You pray for people. You love people. And, the, and then if they're not spiritual, if they don't understand, they're not going to understand. You can't change people. You just can't. But you can pray for them. So what we want to do is we want to we answer three questions about truth guiding our lives The three questions is, why should truth guide my life? Or who chooses what will guide my life? And then why is it difficult to be guided by truth? So we'll go through those three questions. And the first is, why should truth guide my life? And if you're writing your notes in, number one, having a guide in my life is wise. It's just smart. It's brilliant. It's ingenious. It's wise to have truth. It's just wise. Not a single person here travels to an unknown destination without being guided. There's no possible way that you're going to go to the ticket counter at the airport and tell the ticket agent or the the person there, um, take me any place you like. Set me on a course of a great destination. Well, where do you want to go? Up to you. Up to you. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Now, they may say, okay, okay, I'm going to send you here. And then they send you to that place. And then you land there. And then you go to the rental car place. And, oh, what kind of car do you want? Whatever car you want to give me. Whatever car. Okay. They give you whatever car. And then you get in there. And then the GPS is in there. And you're saying, well, where do you want to go? Wherever you want to take me. You're an idiot. Well, wherever you want to take me, I'll go. Or if you have someone with you. And they ask you, so where are we going? Where's the destination? Wherever. Doesn't matter. Just take me where you want to go. No one in their right mind would do that. Now, if you're adventurous enough and a little bit, you know, know, then maybe. Maybe. But most of us, we would want a guide. We would want a map to wherever we're going to be in a destination that we've never been a part of or we've never visited before. We need something to guide us. In school, we called it guidance. They would, they would help us to be guided, and they would teach us. In today's world, we use maps, GPS, and before then, they used the stars, and they still use the stars. If you wanted to head in a certain direction, you look on the map. When it says to turn, you turn. When the GPS says right turn, you take a right turn. When you wanted to head south and you look at the stars, you head in that direction where there's the south. Or the southern hemisphere. Or you look at the stars and you say, that's where I'm being navigated towards. Something must guide us. And having truth in our lives is wise. It's a wise thing to be guided by truth. Every single person understands being guided by something because there's a purpose to being guided. Every step of the way, there's a purpose to be guided by. Or being guided by There's a purpose to it. A map has a purpose to it. GPS has a purpose to it. Even being guided by the stars has a purpose to it. Every step of the way. That's why the Bible says it like this. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. There's a purpose with every step that I run. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, if I am not guided by truth, then I can't live it out. If I'm not guided by truth, I'm not going to be able to live it out. And he says, this is how you, this is how you live by truth. You, you, you run with purpose every step of the way. Athletes do this. Athletes discipline themselves. And when you see an athlete, like right now is you know, basketball season, football season. When you watch the athletes and they perform, they, they, they make an outstanding catch or a, a, a three-point shot, whatever it would be. To us, we're amazed. We're like, look at that, he caught it, one hand. Well, look at that, he got two feet down, right in the corner of the end zone. Unbelievable. But they do that day in and day out on the practice field. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying every step of the way, there must be truth attached to it. There's a purpose for truth. It guides our life, and it is wise to be guided by truth. People will tell us, oh, don't be guided by that. Do your own thing. But we know the consequences of that. That's why we're turning to God. We understand the consequences. If there's anything we're going to choose to guide our lives, don't you want something that is proven? Don't you want something that has stood the test of time? Don't you want something that others tried to prove false and ended up turning towards the truth? We need something that's going to be stable. It will all come down to our choice in what you will let guide your life. Truth should guide our life because it is wise. Well, who chooses? Who chooses what will guide my life? Here's the second thing: I, I must choose what will guide me. You must choose what will guide your life. No one else is going to do that for you. You got to choose that for yourself. When you're a baby, your parents chose what they would feed you. When you're a baby, you had milk, and then as you continued to grow up, you had you know like mushy stuff. Uh, uh, baby food. And everything would be soft because our digestive system was not ready for solid food yet. And then as you continue to grow up, I don't know about you, but the first time you were introduced to like McDonald's or your children were introduced to McDonald's, they became zombies after that. After that, I want to go McDonald's. I want to go McDonald's. I want to go McDonald's. And if you even asked your children where you want to go to eat, they would say McDonald's or wherever they, their favorite place is. And then you would order for them. You'd say, can I get a Happy Meal? And then you'd get them the Happy Meal or whatever. You'd order for them. And then there came a point in their life that something changed. That you would say, oh, I have a Happy Meal with fruit punch. Right? We always get them fruit punch. That's why they always have the red smiley thingy. So we would get them that. And then after a while they said, no, no, I don't want that. What do you mean you don't want that? You always eat that. No, I I don't want a Happy Meal anymore, mom. I want what you're eating. I'm eating a a, a Big Mac. You can't have a Big Mac. You can't eat all that. Oh, no, mommy, I can't. I can finish the whole thing. And we know they don't. They don't finish the whole thing. But there comes a point in their life where they start choosing for themselves. And then they get married, and then their wife chooses for them. So there's like a cycle that happens. But, but we got to choose for ourselves. we got to choose. Nobody's going to choose for us. we got to choose for ourselves. And what the Bible is telling us is, if you don't choose then it will be forced upon you. If you don't choose what will guide your life, it will be forced upon you. In, in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24, and it's in our notes, this is after they, they, uh, Moses led them through the Red Sea, and Joshua took over the leadership from Moses. And now Joshua is now on the Promised Land side, and now he's challenging the people, the nation of Israel. And he's saying, if it seems evil to you to, choose, to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which, which your father served that were on the other side of the, of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But then he said this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua didn't choose for them. He said to them, here's the choices. You can either do that, that, but this is what I'm doing you got to make your choice. Either you're going to do what was always familiar to you, or you're going to choose to follow what the other nations are doing, what other people are doing, or you're going to follow the Lord. But then he makes it crystal clear. He says, but as for me and my house, we're going follow to follow the Lord. You, you can make your own, own choice. Now, why did, why did Joshua issue that challenge? Why, did he, why, did he, why didn't he just say, you know what, you guys, we're following the Lord. That's the mandated law. We're all following the Lord. Let's go. Why did, he, why did he issue the challenge? Well, whenever God gives us choice, he does that out of love. He says, your freedom to choose is because I love you. I'm not going to force you. Because forced truth is not love at all. The freedom to choose truth is love. Because that's why we choose to follow God's truth. It's because we love him. If I don't love God, I'm not going to follow his truth. I'm just not. Why? Because I don't love God. But if I love God, I'm going to follow his truth. That's why he says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love me. Because when you love me, then you will obey my commandments. If you don't love God and you follow his truths, then it becomes religion. The do's and don'ts. Then you become judgmental because here's a truth. Oh, here's the truth. You're not following the truth. You need to follow the truth. You're not, you're not following the truth. So you know what? And you, and you say you follow God. Oh, you're not following God because here's the truth. But if you love God, then you're going to love people first. And then they will choose to follow the truth. Because they love God. When you choose what will guide you, and you can say to yourself, this is what I'm standing upon. Whatever you choose, make sure it's more durable than the mistakes and the errors that we will make in our lives. That's why, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Because I need something that's going to be a lot more solid and, 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 and more guiding than my own emotions. I need something that's going to be the bedrock of my life, foundational for my life. And people will say, but that means you're weak. And I'm like, yeah. Do you know that we have a sinful nature? Do you not know that we are weak human beings? You become strong when you're able to admit you're weak. Those who say, I'm strong, I'm strengthened, I'm strong. That's their weakness. That's the number one weakness. Once you think you can live this life according to your own way, that's your number one weakness. Doesn't matter what the life, what what it looks like on the outside, what matters is what's going on on the inside. See, we're going to make mistakes and others will lead us if we don't choose to follow what has not stood the test of time. we got to follow what has stood the test of time. Many of us remember the, the Titanic and, of course, the tragic story of the sinking of the Titanic. And this massive ship, over 800 feet long, many thought was unsinkable. That was their biggest mistake. Their strength was their weakness. And then as they set out into open sea, they, they they turned it up enough so that they could go faster to prove to everyone what a great ship this was, what a great liner this was. But then, as we understand, it it was heading toward an iceberg. Now the guys on top, they saw this iceberg and then... By the time they sounded the alarm, they had 37 seconds to turn. And they did. But remember, they just they just scraped the bottom of this iceberg, which ripped into the ship, which caused them to sink. But they thought, we're fine. We're fine. Why? Because this ship is unsinkable. Even the compartments that were supposed to fill up with water... And then that's it. That first compartment would fill up and then they're done. But it overflowed to the next, to the next, to the next, which caused them to sink. That which they thought was their strength became their biggest weakness. They didn't navigate how they were supposed to because they thought they were unsinkable even though they were in uncharted waters with all of these icebergs around them. Now there was another ship that came around. And this ship came to rescue them. But this ship, who was captained by Rostron, this is what he did. Now once once he heard that the Titanic, or once he got the message from the Titanic, even though the top speed for this ship, the Carpathia, was 14.5 knots, which I think the Titanic was about 25 knots that they could travel. Even though it was almost half the speed, they kind of, he ordered that they pushed the limit just a little bit more to 17 knots so that they could get to the site. Then he ordered a reduction in the ship's in the uh, ships in the ship's heating system, so that more steam could be diverted to the engines. Then this extra speed was without a significant de- uh, this extra speed was not without a significant degree of peril. However, as Carpathia endured its own hazards, dodging icebergs along the entire 58 mile. Route was even more dangerous. And then the captain noted the safety of the crew members. And so what he did is he said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. And he gave them some instructions on how to survive. And then when they came to the Titanic, before they got there, he said, here's how we're going to rescue the survivors. Here's what we're going to do. And then he ordered them for the lifeboats. He ordered for the lifeboats to be lowered, and he trained them in what they needed to do before they got there. And every step of the way, he made sure he was communicating with his crew members, and he made sure that everything they were doing was accurate. He even saw that the people that were going to be coming on board were going to be freezing cold. So he said, go get some blankets, get some warm water, get some hot drinks, and let's prepare that for them. He did everything possible. And then they were able to rescue those who went on the lifeboats of the Titanic. Now, looked at those two captains. The captain of the Titanic, Edward Smith. That his, and not blaming him, but part of the the weakness was the pride of how great this ship was. He wasn't guided by how the other captain was guided. The other captain was saying, look, got some icebergs ahead. We got to navigate through this carefully. One who knew his weakness was made strong. The other one who knew the strengths was made weak. We got to choose what will guide our life. We need to be careful of what we surround ourselves with. We need to be careful what truths we will let into our hearts. Even the people that surround us, are they guiding us? Are they helping us or hindering us? Proverbs twelve twenty six. It says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. That's what happens. The way of the the wicked will lead us astray. Here's the truth, and it'll lead us astray. It's just the way of the wicked. Now, most people that we surround ourselves with, our friends or family members, they really want the best for us. But if they don't understand that there's two quarters there... They're gonna constantly say, this hand, that hand, this hand, that hand. You gotta go back to the truth. You gotta make that decision. The question is, what guides your life? What guides your family? Is it public pressure or opinion or pride? Is it thinking that, no, I'm strengthened because of this or that? Is it a family name? Is it the celebration of an unsinkable ship, an unsinkable life, that my family is strong enough that we can endure this? What directs your course of action? Is it truth or something else? That's what we gotta ask ourselves the question. That's what we have to ask ourselves, that question. Hey, am I gonna be guided by truth? Because we choose what will guide us. And then the last thing, what is why is it difficult to be guided by truth? Why is it so difficult? Number three, truth doesn't war against me, my sinful nature does. Why is, why is it so hard? Or difficult to be guided by truth. It's because truth doesn't war against me, my sinful nature does. So you gotta remember this truth, God's truth is for us. Our sinful nature is against us. God's truth is for us. Our sinful nature is against us. We're always gonna be waging war. And it's 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 gonna be difficult because you're you're fighting something that is within. It's not something that comes in from the outside. You're fighting something that's within. A, a, small, a little test for those of you who are married or those of you who uh, uh, speak to women. Uh, and I'm not you know, picking on women at all. I'm just you know, stating some facts. So Heidi and I will sit down and I'll just give you an example of what we deal with sometimes in our marriage. And mostly it's my fault, so I can. that's my uh, disclaimer. We will sit down and, and we'll have a talk. And Heidi will ask me a question, and then I'll answer her question, and then she'll give her thoughts about it, and I'll say, yeah, but, you know, you're thinking in this way, and if you thought like this, then it wouldn't be like that. And, and she goes, yeah, but this happened, and what am I supposed to do if this happens?" I say, well, then, then do, just do this. It's that simple, Heidi. Look, it's simple. A, B, C, simple. Just follow that. It's simple. She goes, it's not that simple. It's simple to you, but it's not simple to me because of this, this, and that. And then we get into this big argument, and then she says the most devastating words any man can hear after 30 minutes of arguing. I don't want to talk. That's, that's the words right there. I don't, you know, don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. I'm done. I'm finished. I don't, I'm finished. And the man is like, what do you mean you're finished? We're, we just got started. And she said, no, I don't want to hear it. I'm, I'm done. And then walks away. And we're like, no way you're wasting half an hour of my life and not finish this conversation. I will follow you. And so you walk after, and you're like, you're like that, almost like that little uh, that pest that follows, and that that little that you know that fish that swims around the big shark. That's what you are, and you're not calling her a shark. I'm just saying. And so you're following, and you're doing your very best to say, this is my point. And then after the argument, you're done, you're exhausted, you let it go, and then you know you forgive, and everything's done. And I'll say, Heidi, so what am I supposed to do when you ask me a question? She goes, all I want you to do is listen. So all I want you to do is listen. I said, okay, I got it. Listen. Okay. Then the next time we'll have a sit down, she'll ask me a question. And this is me. And and she'll be like, so what do you think? And in that microsecond or in that time I pause, I'm thinking, I know where this is going to head. I know what's going to happen. And so I'm stuck there, and I'm wrestling with my flesh. I'm dealing with this sinful nature because I want to say something, but I don't know what to say because she asked me to say something, but she said to listen. But if I just listen and I don't say anything, I'm still caught. I'm still going to get scoldings, and I lose still yet. So it's a lose-lose situation. If I speak, I lose. If I don't speak, I lose. And so I said, Lord, how does this work? I don't know, but Romans 7, 21 tells me this. I have discovered the principle of life. I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. What is it? That when I want to do what is right, okay, I got it, I inevitably do what is wrong. (laughs) Sounds like marriage. Not marriage in itself, but sometimes a conversation. I love God's law with all my heart. Yes, I do. But there is another power within me that is at war in at war with my mind. Yes, it is. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. I'm thinking, wait a minute. If if I know that I'm at war, we all want to do what is right. And we all want to do good things. But for some reason we don't. Because there's a war that's going on inside of us. So here's what I've learned to do. And I don't always apply this, but I try my very best. So hopefully this will help you in a relationship. Husbands, when your wives ask you to talk and they ask you a question, ask them a question. Don't give them the answer. Like Heidi will say to me, don't give me points. Don't preach to me. Don't give me step one, step two, step three. Don't say, all you got to do is this, all you got to do is that, all this, just that's it. So what I do is if Heidi says, what should I do in this case? And I'll ask, why do you feel that way? Or what is it, what, why, why is it making you feel that way? I notice that when I continue to ask questions and I don't tell her what to do, to her that's listening. And then once I feel, because you're going to feel this tension, once you feel the the pressure of, oh, oh, here it comes. She's going to get mad at me. I just hug her. Just hug. <laughs> It'll be okay, Heidi. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. You like me make you breakfast. <laughs> you like, what do you want? What do you want? It, it, something has to change. Because if we're only following what is presented in front of us, we don't know what is truth. We won't know what it is. Truth doesn't wage war against us. Our sinful nature does. It's inside of us. It's not the other person. It is us. It's not the other person. It's us. We're the ones who battle with this sinful nature. Not, and it's, yeah, it's in other people too. But it's us. And this war that goes on. We want to do good. We want truth to guide us. We love God's ways, his laws, his principles, his truth. But so hard to follow, especially when people say negative things to you or write negatively about you or speak negatively about you or gossip negatively about you. Hard, hard to go back to truth. But I tell you, when you do, you go back to truth, you go back to who God made you to be, then you can say, as Romans seven twenty four twenty five 25 says, oh, mo- what a miserable person I am. We can admit that. Yeah, I'm a miserable person. Yeah, I, I'm not, the, I'm not the, the greatest person, the most brilliant person. I may not be the smartest person. I may not be the most righteous person. I, I, may, not, I may not be the person who represents God the best. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. See, it's admitting that that we don't have enough inside of us to follow truth. What will save us from this slavery of sin? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the only one who can remove the war of sin and death. He's the only one. It's through the saving power of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray this morning, and and whatever is warring in your spirit, we're going to ask Jesus Christ to do something about it because we're trying. We're doing our very best, but it's going to be his spirit. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Lord, this, this war that goes on inside of us, it, it, it wages war against us because we want to live with truth. We want to love your laws. We want to be guided by you. We want to do good, but for some reason we don't. But the only way we'll be saved by this slavery of sin is through you. And if you're a Christian here this morning or a Christ follower, you're saying, I, I, I want to follow Christ. I want to do my very best to represent him well. But yeah, there's this war that goes on in me. And maybe this past week there was a, a war that was going on inside of you. Maybe you're dealing with anger. Maybe you're dealing with uh, frustration with, with your, your spouse or your family or, or a loved one or your workplace, your boss, your coworkers. It could be the state, the government, or whatever it is. Whatever is happening on the inside. You give it to Jesus Christ because he's the only one who can conquer sin and death. And if that's you this morning, you're saying, I want to give that over to Christ right now. Just raise your hand, just real quick. And it's just an outward expression of of what is happening on the inside. Lord, we we do. We give that to you. Whatever is happening in our hearts, Lord, whatever, whatever is warring in our hearts that is not of you, we give that to you. Take that from us, Lord. Give us new life. Breathe into us everlasting life. You can put your hands down. How many of you this morning, you're saying, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never said yes to God. I want to follow truth, but I've never, I've never risked, risked my life to follow truth. And, and I want to do that this morning. If that's you, would you just lift the hand? And, and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ this morning. Go ahead, just lift the hand. Good. And you're saying, I want to give him my heart. Good. Good. You can put your hands down and we can say this prayer together, especially for those of you who are saying That you want Jesus to lead your life. Here's a prayer. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Wash me clean. Forgive me. And make me brand new. I will follow you. I trust you. I will stand upon your truth. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, amen.